Hi, and welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, highlighting artists, teachers, authors, and philanthropists of the regenerative movement. People who are committed to or who are showcasing planetary leadership. My name is Julian Guderlei, and in today's episode, I'm hosting an interview with Betsy Baker. Betsy is a marketing and branding consultant for the cannabis industry in California, building her own brand in the space called Kabaked, a personal friend of mine, and we will talk about all things cannabis today. So welcome to the show, Betsy. Yes, thank you. This is a breath of fresh air on a day like today in Los Angeles where it's pouring rain. So thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm stoked to, you know, go into a topic that I haven't shared a lot about on Green Planet, Blue Planet, and that is, that is cannabis. And, you know, no one, no one better to talk about that than you, because I know you've been like active in the space and in the scene for, for quite a few years. And, you know, it's, it's just what, what gets you all lit up. So maybe let's start at the beginning. Like, how did, how did this all happen? Because legislation just happened like a few years ago. Um, where, where to start? Like, where did your own journey with cannabis begin? Like, where did it turn into a medicine for you? I think that, like, the first thing that comes to mind to me is that cannabis, when you think of it as a medicinal kind of herb, it changes your relationship with it. And there are times where you're using it medicinally that you don't really realize it's medicinal, but it's giving you so much either joy or um kind of clarity or if you're doing it with intention you're able to kind of understand its impact on you but um to me in the very beginning it was really focused on joy and connection with friends and um obviously like doing something a little not what you're supposed to be doing i think i generally have like a kind of rebellious streak in me and that was a way to touch into that and um but now it's definitely evolved from that point yeah let's 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 learn more about that so why does cannabis matter and you know what are some of the like benefits that that you know make it something that recently got legalized not just in california but in several states across the u.s across all of canada um i believe in colombia uruguay multiple countries in south america as well Obviously, we know that in, in the Netherlands, it has been for a long time. Um, yeah. I think, I mean, let's just take what's happening right now. Um, people are looking for ways to feel better. And if I just know my own experience, and I know that consuming a plant that grows in the ground suddenly relieves me of stress, which is the biggest source of disease is having too much stress. And suddenly I, I have this substance that relieves it immediately with no side effects. Like that is a huge value. And to be able to tap into that mindfully and have the product selections that go with that kind of intention of using the plant um, is really amazing. Like in California, we're able to have microdosed experiences, not just with actual edibles that are low dose like 2.5 milligrams versus um what the kind of popular imagination around cannabis is that it's gotten so much more potent and while that's true like breeders have been creating plants that have higher thc levels because that's what buyers at dispensaries buy and that's what customers who go to dispensaries buy there's also this new wave of products that we've never been able to really have uh, with cannabis 
at very low levels. Um, there are flowers that are also being grown that have high CBD um, levels in it versus THC levels. And so we have the choice to create kind of our own experience of wellness in that way and tap into those, those pockets of relief that we can find through utilizing the power of this plant. And I think that if we did that on a mass scale, we would see a lot of things would change in the world. Um, I think that legalization had something to do with kind of trying to keep the status quo in check because I think cannabis really allows you to think creatively and out of the box and maybe question systems that you're stuck in that um, it kind of brings a level of enlightenment and space for reflection, especially I feel like um, for me, something in general, which you probably can talk about too, is like having any sort of state change that allows you to look at what you're looking at from a different angle really is an opportunity to free yourself of whatever limitations you've put on yourself as far as a mental perspective. And to me, cannabis is one of those ways. It's not all of the ways. Like I believe like you can't just smoke cannabis and then you feel better. It's like you have that, you have meditation, you have a lot of different tools that create this more holistic um, mindfulness practice that I think a lot of people kind of, when you think of like the lazy stoner kind of mentality, it's like, that is so one way that you can do cannabis, but there's so many other ways that you can utilize its powers to unlock things that are within you that like you wouldn't necessarily look at because you didn't have that, that space to really say, Hey, wait, no, this looks different. This looks not the same that I thought it looked like before when I was in a stressed state. Now I can approach this problem. I can approach what this looks like from a really fresh perspective and um, get grounded. Like I really use cannabis to ground me and, um, and it does that. And so to me, like it's provided such a service to my well-being and it, cannabis is important for so many, so many different reasons, but um, just speaking from my personal kind of point of view, it's just really been a tool for me to be the better version of myself. And um, I think that also came with a lot of education around how to use it mindfully. And, um, but I also think that it is a benefit to just get fucking high people. Like, let's just get weird. Like, I think that we're so kind of stuck in our little wheel that we run in and to be able to have something that kind of takes you out of that and gives you a, a new kind of flips what you're looking at. Cause as we're seeing, like nothing is, nothing is static like everything is changing all the time and so being able to adjust to that change more fluidly is what's going to make you more resilient and able to handle more challenges and so um to understand that like the world isn't the world every single day and that everything is changing um i feel like is something that now people are waking up to because of the current circumstances but cannabis has always kind of given me a window into the fact that yes i do believe that these are the sets of problems and these are the sets of solutions but then neuroplasticity and cannabis is kind of role in that and so maybe like at that kind of level in your brain it's actually creating these new pathways that are able to kind of 
create new patterns instead of making you stuck in these patterns that um, you're kind of unable to have tools to get you out of. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you so much for like the elaborate overview. I, you know, I agree with quite a bit of it. I think interesting that you say like there is a place for people to just get high and really like disassociate with maybe the, the, the normalcies or like the, the way of, you know, business as usual. And let's talk about that in a second, because when it comes to that, I think it's very important we talk about what kind of culture or in quotation marks, what kind of high culture do we build? But what I first want to touch on is like the idea of the healing properties, especially around CBD, which now is being, you know, hemp and CBD is being legalized in way more countries than THC has been legalized, right? And, and if you look at countries like Costa Rica, where anything up to a THC of like, I believe like uh, one milligram is, is legalized because the CBD strains are legalized. And so, uh, very interesting to, to learn about anti-inflammatory properties, about healing properties. And, you know, my personal journey, um, when I was very young, this was not a topic where I grew up. It was simply not really available, nor something that, that was calling me. I actually first started consuming cannabis on a like regular basis when I moved to Canada and when I started to meditate. So for me, in the first probably like year and a half of consuming cannabis, it was directly related with creativity and meditation. And so it allowed me to go way deeper into this reflective space that you're mentioning. And yeah, absolutely, I would echo that a state change, if it's meditation, if it's breath work, if it's going for a run, if it's journaling, or if it's a substance, and cannabis could be one of those, that allows you to let your current perspective behind, maybe put it onto the desk in front of you, leave it there, take on a different perspective and realize a much larger complexity. I think that is very, very needed actually, especially if you look at the state of the world and the, the you know, ever present crises. You know, we're recording this episode during the COVID-19 crisis, so we're, we're both in lockdown. And so this is definitely something that keeps the world captured. I want to go into more of like what kind of culture we want to see and what kind of culture is developing around cannabis. Um, because I know you've been, you've been very well connected in the California culture since the beginning of, of legalization and before that. So maybe first question for you, like what do you see is actually happening and evolving and, and what's maybe the good sides and what's maybe the shadow sides of it? Yeah, um, it's a great question. I think um, it's a fluid thing. Like we're now building what cannabis 4.0, 5.0, 6.0 looks like. It's a giant experiment. So I've been doing marketing for dozens of cannabis brands um, since before legalization. And the methods, we didn't have a playbook. It's not like you can just know what to do it it very much was let's throw spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks and um, as an entrepreneur it's an exciting kind of place to be in that way but it's also really challenging creatively because you want to create the newest version of what the culture should be so that more people kind of can tune into it um, we're dealing with trying to change people's hearts and minds in a way that is much more complicated than trying to get them to pick up a candy bar. You know, we're dealing with years and years and years of misinformation that has been um, to, like 
sent all over the world about cannabis and its risks. And um, I'm very lucky that I grew up in California and in Los Angeles, where people are pretty liberal around cannabis. It's been around, it hasn't been demonized my whole life. So I don't have this mental hurdle that I have to go through in order to seek care from something that could give me care. Um, and so it's really important to kind of be responsible for that um, experience for other people. And really, most of what we talk about right now as far as cannabis marketing and culture is like education how can we make sure that consumers really understand what they're looking at um, understand what their options are and how they can actually build preferences from that point of view um, because you walk into a dispensary and you see so many products they all have new names none of the brands have real recognition there may be a few that do and so how do you as a consumer not feel overwhelmed? How do you as a consumer walk into that store and leave with the product that is going to give you the experience that you're looking for? And that's a tricky thing, but having brands invest in education to discuss the scientific applications, because now we're kind of at this place where we actually have access to research being done by a few different organizations or institutions versus in the past where we've really only had a few universities in the whole world studying this thing. And so how do we integrate that level of education and information that's being created from the science community into how these products are being developed and how they're being consumed. Um, and a big part of that is making sure that people who are the medical patients get access to the medical version of what this looks like. Um, and that could be making sure that there are compassion programs, which is this thing that was um, really central to the development of the cannabis industry in general. Um, because in California, the, the movement was created from a necessity. And that's how it is pretty much everywhere is you have lawmakers who are, who are determining whether or not legalization is a thing in their jurisdiction. And if you have someone like Riley, um, she's, I think like when she was seven years old, she started advocating for cannabis in her um, area because she had a medical condition that actually responded really well to cannabis treatment and she wanted access to it. When you have a child having that conversation with you as a lawmaker, you're going to listen to them. And so we can't, take all the history of all these people who have been brave enough to stand up at that meeting to have that conversation that can't just go away the medical applications of this even though we're now in an adult use kind of era the medical side and making sure that people who are are um, high risk and who are low income still have access to what they need is really important and um that needs to be central to like what we're building and so one way that you can do that is have this thing the compassion program if you're a dispensary or brand where you basically set aside a specific part of your product inventory to uh dedicate to low-income patients or um terminally ill patients and so that you're giving back to that community that really is the community that needs it the most if you have that level of pain and there have been all these studies that show that cannabis can help with X, Y, and Z. You want to make sure that those people have it and that they're not paying 40% markup on it, which is the average kind of retail markup in California. 
through taxes and all of that. And so um, I think making sure that the patients are part of the conversation is um, something that I've seen kind of fall away from the California conversations around cannabis. But when you go to any other country, like I've been to conferences in Israel and Spain and, and a lot of those conversations are led by the medical community um, because that's really what we're trying to do is like, or at least that's what I'm trying to do is like, if this is something that can heal people, how can it heal people? And how can we make sure that people who can be healed by this have access to that information and access to that product in a safe way? I mean, we see what happened with the vapes. Um, when you have illicit operators not being regulated, you're going to have problems. And that's why you've seen all of these kinds of health concerns with, with vape pens is that was all unregulated. So they could put whatever they want in it and sell it to someone and that person gets sick. And so having responsible regulations and having regulations in general really is a safeguard for um, people who are looking to use this in a, in a, like, I just think of people who are cancer patients who get an illicit vape cartridge because they're living in a prohibition state. And that's something that could potentially make them feel worse than better. And why give them that option when we can create a regulated, legalized industry all over? Yeah, very eloquently put. I, I totally agree with you on the, you know, the access and also the legislations and, and also the the support and, you know, for the, the medical uh, usage of it. And, and so we know there are quite a few uh, diseases that actually benefit from cannabinoids in your system or CBD or, or low, low dosage of THC. Um, what I'm also curious about, you know, because you know I've lived in, in Canada for the last like seven-ish years and in Canada now nationwide rolled out uh, cannabis as, as a, a new business in that sense. And so every province or state in, you know, in Canada we call them provinces, has a different way of how dispensaries are allowed to sell cannabis. And so, which unfortunately has kind of brought cannabis into this very state regulated um, yeah, perception. So now actually in some places, the, where you get to buy your cannabis is the liquor store where you also buy your alcohol. And so from a, my personal point of view, but then also like just observing, I think this is one of the worst cases how they integrate a substance like cannabis into society because really we, we, we don't need more people just take another substance because it's available and maybe dull themselves with, with a bit of booze and a bit of weed. What I think cannabis is promising though, is as you said, the medical application and then a potential culture around it that allows for state change, perspective change, new creativity, forms of connecting with people. And so places for public con um, consume are, are just about now starting to show up as well. And I think one of the big chances there is to, yeah, steer and create quotation marks here, like a form of high culture, like a, a culture around getting high and what it means. Like, you know, in, in my um, <laughs> imaginary uh, world, that, that would be like literally quite opposite to the coffee shop culture in Amsterdam, which I never personally experienced as very inviting, um, but more so like, um, yeah, like going beyond the coffee shop or, or, or bar culture. If you think of when coffee actually got introduced into society, pre-coffee, people were drinking a lot of alcohol because it was the more safe choice than water because in those times, uh, water wasn't always um, 
treated in a, a sanitary way. So when coffee entered society, we started building the coffee houses in Italy and in, in Austria and in other countries. And suddenly what happened was a cultural renaissance. And now with cannabis, yeah. I see there's a similar chance, but not necessarily is it being supported that we have, let's say like a rooftop culture where we have places where people go to smoke, get inspired and connect. Like for me, it feels like yeah. there's still a disconnect, like a really like, positive integration. What's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, these consumption spaces are really essential to legalization. Um, so one of my first jobs was uh, in legal cannabis was working and managing two consumption spaces in San Francisco. And at the time, they only had eight spaces in the entire city where you could legally consume cannabis. And when you think of how many people are um, in, I mean, I don't know how many people own houses that I know in San Francisco right now that are like actually legally able to use their space however they want. But if you're in public housing or if you're renting your apartment, it's not really, and your landlord says no smoking, you're not able to smoke. And so where do you go? You go to a parking lot, you go to like feeling sketchy and that you're doing something wrong, but and you're already criminalizing yourself further because you're trying to find a place to do it. And for the most part, there aren't very many places. So um, having safe spaces where you can consume in a comfortable environment also um, changes the way that you're able to build a relationship with cannabis as a substance for you. Like if you're in an environment, I think cultural context with the way that you consume cannabis is super important because if you've grown up in a place that's every day your mom said if you smoke weed you're gonna be dumb lazy and you're not gonna make any money like you're not gonna pick up a joint in the same way that like I pick up a joint where I'm like oh it's creativity and openness and all these things and so um, making sure that we build a cultural context for people to have these positive relationships and experiences is really what's going to connect people together and also to the plant and what does that culture look like and we were at a place where we're actually kind of experimenting like in San Francisco I worked for that consumption lounge and what was really beautiful about it was that you could have the most diverse audience of people walk in there um, every age, every everything, and you pass a joint. I mean, I wouldn't recommend passing joints now, and we'll see if this survives the coronavirus, but passing joints with a, a very, very diverse crowd and actually not feeling weird about it, like not feeling like you guys are here, we're here, like it becomes this kind of connector and it's an inherent sense of community I feel like built into cannabis and the way that it interacts with humans and so it I haven't been in such diverse spaces where people were asking each other questions like there was one older man who was maybe in his 70s or 80s who was in the back there um, in the lounge and there was another friend of mine who came in with like a dab rig and he pulled it out and the 80 year old man was like, what, what's going on here? Like, what do you, what, what is this thing that you're doing? And they had that conversation. It's like such a, I don't know. It was just such a moment. And then the guy, the older man came back and um, to the dispensary and he is actually like a comic book artist. And he 
he created a comic about that experience of going into this dispensary and seeing this lounge and seeing how people were so friendly and that all the products looked safe and nice and that he got to learn about what this thing was called a dab rig with a, a person who's my age like it's just I feel like we don't really have that much cross connection these days in just regular context like our day-to-day -day lives and um, being in an environment where cannabis is kind of creates that context but I think it's also a matter of like what does it actually look like because we have men men for example and they're one of like kind of the bigger companies and players in this space and they're hailed at as like oh the apple store of weed but for me it's like cannabis is not the apple store like cannabis is like cozy and warm and there's tea and maybe plant-based food and like it just doesn't feel like that reflection makes sense and i know that there are dispensaries that are being built right now especially in west hollywood that have these consumption licenses where you're able to you can have the product on site you can have a juice on site and you can have this integrated into a different, more like relevant context that you're normally in versus having it be this like separate thing. Because I think that that's really what we don't want to have is like have it be this kind of, I'm a cannabis person, so I go to this place. We want it to be accessible for anyone to go in and feel like this is a chill place to be and build environments that are to that level. Um, and I would say like, places that are doing it really well. I mean, in San Francisco, we are really lucky that we're kind of the pioneers of this, uh, besides Amsterdam, obviously, and Barcelona, which has a ton of clubs as well, but they're very much more underground and you can't really access them unless you know someone. But in California, if you're, and more specifically in San Francisco, because I think in LA, there's only one um, licensed consumption lounge that's actually open. Um, the other ones are being built up right now, but in the Bay Area, we have a place called Mo Greens, which has these like giant green booths that you can sit at with these crazy like uh, smoking apparatuses that change colors and you can pass it to friends and um, they just have kind of like the top of the line different accessories and things that you wouldn't necessarily buy yourself, but you go to this place and they have an environment to kind of explore that and they also have a dab bar that's in a separate area that it's not like what you would think of a dab bar as which dabbing if you don't know is like having concentrated cannabis and you have to have like a special heated rig that gets to a certain temperature to use it and so when you think of dab bar at least for me for the longest time I thought of it as kind of like maybe that's like a seedier kind of thing um but it's built really nicely and it makes you feel like you're just at a bar like it doesn't make you feel like you're for the longest time I think the reason why dabs have such a kind of um unique kind of orientation for some people is that usually um before all these innovations with um hardware for smoking you had a, a blowtorch that you'd have to pull out to heat up your rig the second anyone brings out a blowtorch, like people are going to be like, what are you doing? You know, like what's going on here? And so now we actually are beyond that place where you can enjoy cannabis concentrates with a machine like a vape exhale that just plugs into the wall and you just pick it up and it's not really invasive. So the hardware evolving 
also sets the tone of like what the cannabis culture is becoming because it, it creates new experiences and it creates um, kind of a elevation of what the actual mechanics of what we're doing is. You feel fancy when you have a fancy rig that like is electronic, like a Puffco. Um, and that mirrors kind of the development of what we're seeing on the ground uh, as far as the types of consumption lounges that are being created. And a lot of those spaces are really community oriented spaces where the programming is really trying to talk to the local community and provide them with either education, whether that be Cannabis 101 classes. Um, one of the dispensaries that I work with now, um, one of the co-founders is uh, an amazing, I mean, every time I talk to her, I feel like I'm getting a motivational speech. And so she has these conversations that she just has with people about cannabis, it's conversations with Sue, and that's, you can go into this dispensary and just talk to someone and get some kind of community time. and. Um, I think that there's that kind of programming that happens where it's education and it's really built, trying to build connections. There's also really fun things that you can do, like having um, open mic nights and having like poetry readings and um, doing like dim stuff and dabs was like an event that I created at a dispensary that I worked with. Um, and it, people loved it because it was an area that we had a ton of Chinese restaurants in the neighborhood. And so it was like, why not just use what we have around the block and invite our neighbors basically and have people come and hang out with us. And like, that's a real um, space, like a coffee shop where people can kind of collaborate and not people that you would necessarily just like see in passing. You're able to actually take a, take a minute and be like, I'm going to actually ask you a question because you like weed. I like weed. We probably like other things and we probably have similar things in common than just that. And that's what okay. I really love about cannabis is it's these intersections that you're like, okay, like you like weed. I like weed. You probably are interested in mindfulness. Maybe if we're in like the Bay area, like there's probably other things that we can connect on that you're more open to even having that conversation with that person, even though they're, 50 years older than you and lived across the world, like you still can find those kinds of ways to connect with people through that and through the context that you're in. Beautiful. I love, I love this uh, share, share of yours because I think this is one of the big potentials of a substance like cannabis or CBD is to like open doors to transcend the us and them kind of mentality. Betsy, thank you so much for this initial conversation about cannabis. Where can people find and follow your work? Um, my Instagram is Betsy Kabaker. So B-E-T-S-Y-K-A-B as in boy, A-K-E-R. Um, that's they probably, the, out, yeah. yeah, that's probably the best way to find me. Really cool. Really cool. Then um, I can't wait for more of those conversations. I think as we're going forward and we're, we're, whatever is going to happen uh, as we're hopefully not going back to business as usual after this COVID-19 crisis, but we're continuously evolving the way we relate in society. There, there will be another conversation about cannabis for, for today. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you.
And that's that, another episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. I hope you truly enjoyed this one and received some insights, knowledge, and a form of learning that you can directly apply to your life, into your relationships, or maybe even into your business and the way you show up for the world. Because this is a movement and we're all part of it and we're in this together. We're here to create a world of a triple bottom line where you win, I win, and the entire planet wins. We're raising consciousness together and you know that. That's why you're listening. That's why I love you. So make sure to share the love. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Invite a friend to listen to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. And if you have an idea who else you'd like me to interview, make sure you reach out and send me a suggestion. Definitely check out greenplanet-blueplanet.com, the website to the podcast. I've created a lot of different offers for you, free content, free meditations for you to amplify your connection to self, the state of social impact in the world, and for you to connect and listen to who you could support of the people that I actually interview because their missions are ongoing and a lot of them need more collaboration. And after more than 100 episodes now, with some of the world's leading social impact experts, I have synthesized my most inspired learnings and takeaways to create coaching and mentorship programs for you and the people around you. Let me share with you about planetary purpose coaching and mentorship experiences. If you're in a space in your life where you're ready to level up to amplify who you are, what's coming through you and what you're doing to give your gift to the world, then I would love to hear from you and I'd love for you to apply to one of my private mentorships or group mentorships. Last but not least, there's a few different group experiences I host both in person and online. All of them are quantum learning environments and I'm happy to tell you more. So simply inform yourself and stay connected because whatever resonates with you, I'm here to support you and bring out more purpose into the world. And with that being said, wherever you are in the world, make sure to be you, show up all the way, be all in, connect with someone today, make them smile, Have yourself a stellar day. Lots of love to you and until soon.